these generative algorithms we, that we're creating have got so much possibility for completely unexpected beauty for like impossibly perfect outputs where you're like wow like that was not intentional like really because it feels so intentional and right now we're just like up to completely blind luck whether we'll find them you know so like i, I did the numbers on on uh the fidenza 938 and the odds of it having been produced given that we had a fidenza drop of 999 fidenzas was like one in 10,000. Like for every 10,000 universes that have a Fidenza, 9,999 of them don't have any Fidenza that looks like that one. Uh, and so I think the, the, the inspiration for QQL is that we're defining a project where collectors are actually empowered to go and find all of those gems, you know, find the other like 10,000, the other 10, like 100,000, like really unexpectedly beautiful possibilities and then actually have those exist as NFTs not just could have been. Hey everyone, Kevin Rose here. Welcome to another episode of Proof. Today, we're talking about a brand new generative art concept, one in which you as the collector play an even more important role in the art creation. Now, as the mentor, you actually get to help shape and control the outputs and ultimately you have the final say over which one is minted. This is a collaboration between legendary generative artist Tyler Hobbs, who of course is responsible for the Fidenza series, and Dandelion Whist, who is a Web3 and gen art enthusiast and collector. Now, I'm certainly going to be participating in this mint. It's such a very cool project from a couple of just brilliant minds in the space. Let's go chat with them. Oh, this is going to be awesome. Dandelion, Tyler, welcome to the show. Hey, Kevin. Thank you so much for having us. It's a pleasure to be uh, talking to you again here. Very excited to have you two on. This is going to be uh, fun because I know you're working on something that I've never heard of that's been done before. So it's I love new and novel like thinking in this space. I mean, the creativity that's coming through and what I've seen so far, it's going to be a fun one to chat about. Um, but you know, obviously Tyler, you've been on the show before, but, but Dandelion, I'd love to get into a little bit of your background because it'll be your first time on the show. And then also, um, you know, chatting with how you guys hooked up and, and how this is all, you know, working. I'm Dandelion Wistmanet. Uh, I use they, them pronouns. And I think it would be fair to say that I'm a very unusual character. Uh, I'm kind of a, a software engineer slash wannabe philosopher slash now, as of collaborating with Tyler, uh, really a generative artist. Uh, and I've had a, a strange course through the Web3 space that involved originally buying Bitcoin for the various virtuous reason of wanting to get acid off of the Silk Road, uh, <laughs> along to participating in the Ethereum ICO, along to losing my private key for the Ethereum ICO. Uh, oh no! <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, it was it was bad. It, I, I I refused to look at crypto for four years because of how much cope I had over that wallet. It took years to get over. Oh man, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> it's a, it's 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 the perpetual it's the perpetual like lesson you know of just like crypto. It's got sharp edges. Uh, yeah. But uh, we move on. We learn. We find new opportunities, which is you know part of the beauty of cryptos. There's just so many or Web three. There's so many exciting uh, frontiers. Uh, but yeah, I, I got I got back into Web three in a big way trying to build software and reputation systems for DAOs, essentially trying to build tools to compensate contributors to open source projects. And that 
as with many utopian projects, turned a little dystopian in the end and like kind of meandered off. Uh, but that that kind of like led me step by step to generative art and NFTs, uh, which were a huge passion for me, especially projects like Fidenza. Uh, and that that kind of brought me to, to this corner of the world uh, where I'm very excited to be. Fantastic. So, so Tyler, I'd, I'd love to hear about, you know, so when did you first start collaborating together? Like, what yeah. was the connection there? Yeah. So uh, Dandelion and I um, first really started uh, talking and bonding over just looking at some other artwork and, and kind of the art block scene. You know, uh, Dandelion's a, a, a really kind of well-known and I would say respected collector, particularly of, of, of art blocks, which, as you know, is like kind of the the center of the world for, for generative art in, in Web3. And um, so uh, Dandelion was, was sort of expressing their, their you know, their, their uh, maybe strong views about uh, some particular artwork. And uh, I really vibed with, uh, with, with what they had to say. And so we started talking about kind of the merits of different uh, generative art projects, what really made... Um, you know, uh, a particular piece of generative art special and like what, what made like a long form uh, generative art project successful. And I, th I think we had, you know, really aligned uh, views over that and, uh, and um, just continued to have interesting conversations. And, and then one day uh, Dandelion messaged me and said something like, you know, I kind of, kind of thinking about, you know, what if we can, uh, you know, give the user, give the, the, the mentor, the ability to choose, uh, what they want out of the algorithm a little bit more specifically. And, um, I, I, you know, I, I thought about that and, um, uh, started, started to realize that this really unlocked a lot of, uh, potential, uh, for, for, you know, for, uh, for the algorithm, for the artist, for, everything about this kind of approach to to doing long form generative artwork and um we both uh, kind of knew that um uh uh this this could be really powerful and um there might be some examples out there here and there of little pieces of this but we hadn't seen anybody do it in a really compelling way and so um the more we talked about it the more we thought about it um the more it just sounded like a, a really exciting project and and for me, uh, I always like to do something new with each project. I don't really like to repeat myself so much. And, and this felt like mm -hmm. a great way to kind of uh, break new ground. So, um, yeah, we, we started talking first, I think, last October, October 2021 or so. And it's just been building for almost a year now. Um, and, uh, I mean, you know this too. Uh, ideas are easy. Execution is the hard part. Yeah. Uh, we've been we've been executing like crazy. So, um, it's been it's been a... A challenging but super super fun project so far and dandelion is this something that you wanted as a as a collector where when you had your collector hat on you're like this needs to exist like i, I really wish i could customize and, and go further with with the art like where did that origin kind of source desire come from so for me it, it has a lot to do with what i think makes generative art so special as a medium uh, which is this kind of intersectional role between the the artist creating the algorithm and then the randomness kind of like like spark of like spark of possibility just like animating the algorithm into a particular output. Uh, and I would say, you know, especially for those who are kind of watching the video, we can like actually show some of this art, which is cool. Uh, there are two particular pieces that served as like touchstones and inspirations uh, for the QQL project. Uh, and the first is Fidenza 938. 
uh, also also called uh, God Mode, uh, which I, I put a link in this little chat. Uh, but it's a really it's a really bizarre Fidenza because it intersected all of these rare traits that Tyler added. In some cases, like very late in the algorithm, like you know, it's a spiral, it's micro uniform, it uh, like it doesn't have collision checking or it's got relaxed collision checking. And it looks like no other Fidenza. It's a complete uh, outlier. And it kind of showcases some of the, the unexpected possibility in these algorithms where like Tyler did not know that this output could happen. Uh, and Tyler and I initially connected uh, kind of around around this Fidenza in particular. Uh, and then Kevin, this is actually where the NFT, an NFT that you kind of like first like discovered maybe uh, in the form of bidding on it, which is Meridian 801, uh, AKA Starry Summit. Uh, kind of comes into the picture because uh, Fidenza 938 uh, is so unusual in a way that was encoded by the traits like that rare trait combination basically deterministically produces that particular output uh, and this Mer this meridian uh, which is kind of looks for people listening like a really beautiful mountain summit at night uh, it looks super intentional it's got like a milky way-esque spray of like stars overhead uh, and it's actually not a statistically rare one uh it's not like got crazy traits it's just like every detail came together uh kind of just right and i think for me the the realization and this is something like tyler and i have both like vibed on a lot is that these generative algorithms we, that we're creating have got so much possibility for completely unexpected beauty for like impossibly perfect outputs where you're like wow like that was not intentional like really because it feels so intentional and right now we're just like up to completely blind luck whether we'll find them, you know? So like I, I did the numbers on, on uh, the Fidenza 938 and the odds of it having been produced, given that we had a Fidenza drop of 999 Fidenzas was like one in 10,000. Like for every 10,000 universes that have a Fidenza, 9,999 of them don't have any Fidenza that looks like that one. Uh, and so I think the 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 inspiration for QQL is that we're defining a project where collectors are actually empowered to go and find all of those gems, you know, find the other like 10,000, the other 10, like 100,000, like really unexpectedly beautiful possibilities, and then actually have those exist as NFTs, not just could have been. Yeah, that um, it's funny that you think of things in, the, in this way. And, and it was something that I originally it dawned on me when I first started getting into generative art that there is this, um, there's this possibility of something that is really rare that isn't captured by the metadata. And I switched my, the way I was collecting. So, you know, the first thing as a collector, I would look at is I'd see a project and I'd be like, okay, the, the test images that I've seen, what I've seen so far prior to it dropping, are visually interesting and I'm excited about that drop. Right. And that's the first checkbox. Like, is this going to be a project that I want to mint and, and roll the dice on? And is it something I want to further investigate? Uh, the mints would go live. They'd sell out because this is of course the hype when around the, the entire market where they'd sell it instantly. Right. And I would immediately rush over as fast as I possibly could and hope that OpenSea would index all the different <laughs> attributes quickly, which it wouldn't. And then I, it, which you wouldn't, right, exactly. So then you're kind of playing this guessing game. You're like, okay, how many have been indexed? Like, is this a true representation of rarity, uh, you know, when I see the entire collection revealed or am I seeing just like a subset of the collection that actually will, this will be a very common trait. You just don't know, right? And so I would quickly go and say, what are the rarest pieces? Because 
oftentimes, I don't know if this was by design, but it seemed that a lot of the artists were making the rarer pieces or at least baking it into the algorithm some of the cooler looking ones, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's just me just uh, oh, yeah. artificially like it's saying that rare is cooler, but is that, is that generally too true that there have algorithm? totally been projects doing that? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. 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 It's, um, we've talked about this so much. Like this is, this is in fact, like kind of one of our, I'm going to say pet peeves a little bit, uh, is when, is when artists do that. And, uh, maybe, maybe I'm guilty of that myself. I don't know, but, um, you know, uh, this is something I think about a lot and, um, uh, you know, with, with Fidenza, my attitude towards like traits and rarity was kind of like, I wanted each trait to, to show up as many times as it was interesting and, and no more than that. And so in some mm-hmm. ways, the things that are more rare are things that have a little bit less, uh, repetition. So, for people that really know Fidenza, there's like for this color palette called Dark Lifestyle. Uh, Kevin, you have one of them, in fact. And um, there's like only six of them. And they're like black with, with like some, mm-hmm. some dark gray on top of them. So really low contrast. They do look cool, but you only need to see about six of them. And you've kind of like, you know, heard the story, right? You're not, there's there's no, not a lot of value to seeing a seventh one. And so when I was thinking about that with Fidenza, I was like, yeah, I, I want to take the strongest, most versatile uh traits and put them up front and center so that they show up the most because that's the best representation. Um, and, and I think that that's like a, 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 a good move, but still, like you said, um, people really, sometimes people feel much more comfortable collecting based on rarity than they do on, on -hmm. aesthetics because aesthetics are subjective and people are kind of afraid to like trust their own intuition sometimes about what they think actually looks good. And so it's easier to just look at that rarity number like, ah, this is, this is, you know, top 1% of rarity. It's gotta be a solid choice. And, um, so I, I kind of wanted to, I I specifically like wanted to reject that in, in the next project that I did, which was incomplete control, which had, uh, no rarity and there's no traits. Um, everything was sort of equal there. And, uh, I, I wanted to get a little bit past that, like trait based evaluation of the artwork. And I think incomplete control was, was one way to do that. But I think QQL is actually maybe a more interesting and meaningful way to do it because, um, yeah. you know, uh, Dandelion started to, to, to touch on this, but, um, the, that curation and like emergence aspect of how you interact with a piece of generative art is super, super important. And, um, it, it, um, let me explain a little bit about like pre Fidenza, like what it, what it was like to be a generative artist. Cause this has like a big impact. So, uh, before, uh, NFTs before Fidenza, when I would make a generative algorithm, I'm making it with the expectation that I'm going to be able to curate the output. And so I would set up the algorithm, uh, so that it had like, a uh, you know, a good amount of variety and maybe, uh, 50% of the outputs were bad and, uh, 25% were okay. And 1% were fantastic. And that was an acceptable sort of probability distribution because my final step would always be to generate hundreds of pieces of, of output and then go pick out those really special, like emergent 1% that are, uh, incredible for a reason that you didn't even predict when you were making the artwork it's it's amazing like how that happens like even as the artist even you know having written every line of code in there it's going to create things that um uh that that really take you by surprise and do something special for for like unexpected reasons and so Hmm. that's that's what we really identified as like the the true gem of generative artwork at, at least for us is this like 
emergence and um we don't want things to be special for 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 traits we want things to be special for like emergence and um yeah so qql was like our best attempt at, at really like enabling emergence to 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 be you know the headline right for for, for people to really uh seek that out that's that's what we're all about here yeah, that's very cool. But before we get into that project, um, just to touch on this Meridian again real quick, um, this was the the reason I bid on this, Dandelion, just so you know, is because this was a project that I thought to myself, I need to go in here and look at every single one. Because I know, I, I realize there are these special cases that you don't plan for that don't show up in the attributes. And you when you find them, you're like wowed because you normally can see it like it hits you pretty hard and then you're like i need to go and buy that one here's one that i was able to um pick up by the way i've got to say yeah meridian is a fa fantastic piece of work you know all on its own i love matt's work so um, oh it's so good yeah this is another project that i picked up where i had gone through these scribbled boundaries and i'd gone through and i found one that weren't that wasn't connected Hmm. And the others were had all these lines going between them. Uh, and it was just like, I, I quickly identified that and snapped it up as fast as possible, but that you would never find that in, in any of the defined attributes. Right. Yeah. So that was like just a really special piece for me to have and go and uncover and discover faster than anyone else. Right. Cause somebody else would have found that and done the same thing. And, and it's, and it's interesting, you know, how the collection as a whole plays into like your expectations of what, what is special too. Right. Like it's, it's to me, it's super interesting. Um, yeah, if you didn't know the rest of the collection of what scribbled boundaries is like, you, you like you wouldn't know what made this particular one special. And that's another really interesting facet of generative art is how like each individual piece really relies on its relationship to the entire rest of the collection. Um, that's right. To, to kind of like make its visual statement. Um, so yeah, this is a great example of that. Very cool. You know, I have more flavor on how this got started, uh, which is which I'll share. Uh, from my perspective, like. I I really enjoy how early we are in terms of defining not the primitives of the space, right? NFTs are fundamentally new. Uh, ERC-721 as a spec is like maybe four years old. Yeah. Uh, and so there's so much possibility that's only like only just been discovered. Uh, and you go from like autoglyphs, putting just putting generative art fully on chain uh, and then Snowfro realizing with art blocks that you can actually like bring the whole world of P5 and JavaScript uh, generative art on chain and like the enormous like kind of precambian explosion of art that has emerged from that uh, in, in the form of art blocks, which is also just a beautiful community that's so like wonderfully focused on art and artists. Uh, and it's really like fun realizing that there's still more possibility and that like all of the, the fact that the randomness came from the blockchain was just like kind of an assumption that could be questioned and was up for grabs. Uh, and when I had this idea of creating a generative art drop where it is actually chosen, like curated randomness that's creating the pieces, uh, it was one of those electrifying ideas that I like knew had so much potential. And, uh, while I have dabbled with generative art for as long as I've been a coder, I have never like really invested in the technique. Uh, and I knew that I did not remotely have the capacity to pull off the actual potential of this idea. Uh, and I looked around and I, f what I really wanted to do was launch this with a generative algorithm that would most of all have a really wide possible range 
of emotional experience and of subjectivity. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that that's one of the hardest things to do in generative art is actually to get emotional range from mm -hmm. the art. And I think that that's a still a harder challenge than just getting like merely like beauty of visual range. And I think an example here is, uh, Tyler and I both particularly love archetype, uh, as a, as a collection. Uh, it's also got cool emergent traits. Like there are only nine archetypes that are monochrome colors, but that's not a, uh, a defined trait. It just kind of emergently happens. Uh, but I would say that archetypes while very beautiful and having a very wide range, there's not a really big emotional range. Like all archetypes give you a similar kind of like orderly, somewhat turbulent, mm -hmm. but like engineery kind of aesthetic. Uh, and I think Fidenza is really, really unusual in that the emotional range of Fidenza, like Fidenzas can be serious, they can be immaculate, they can be playful, they can be kind yeah, of minimal, like yeah. lazy, they can be minimal, they can be complex. And the fact that Tyler has designed a system that is at the same time so coherent in Fidenza, uh, but spans such a large range of like emotional subjective experience, I think uh, from my perspective, that's why Fidenza is like has has earned its spot. Uh, in the canon uh, is the the enormous emotional range there. And so I figured that then if we could like take the system where it's actually people like curating and then you can just take this, the underlying, the underlying like logic of Fidenza of like having uh, different kind of composing sources of complexity that are all still coherent, uh, but just like turn it loose on all the weird possible corners and all the intersections without needing to be like afraid about what's going to happen on the floor. Uh, that was, that was why it was like, when I had this idea, I was like, okay, like Tyler and I are already vibing. I'm going to like, before I talk to anyone else about this, I'm going to like, see what Tyler thinks, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'd love for you all to walk me through the actual product. It'd be, be really cool to see, yeah. um, how this actually functions because I'm, I purposely wanted to come in a little bit blind here, not do too much so that I could kind of approach this with some fresh eyes here. Okay. Um, can can you walk me through what is it going to be like to from the day that you go live yeah. uh, to actually like what what can people expect like how sure. do they mint this thing how do they interact with it like like let's start with the uh, almost like the Reddit explain it like I'm yeah. five okay. action okay, like, like, okay. Well, sure so uh, first of all one thing that's really nice and that I think we're both really proud of is the site is is available for anybody to use um, you don't have to pay anything to to use the site. Um, we wanted we want the art to be you know available for 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 everybody to play and experiment with so as long as you have actually you don't even have to have a wallet to, to connect you can just like hop on on uh, qql.art and, and start playing with it um, but um, uh, the system is really set up to empower the user as much as possible to kind of play the role of, of the generative artist um, and so uh, the algorithm has a lot of um, really like high level, uh, I'm going to say slightly vague uh, controls because none of these controls are going to give you perfect, um, you know, uh, perfect control over details that show up. That's not really what we're interested in, but we wanted to be able to, to give people like the opportunity to steer it broadly in one direction or another to, to really find these different corners of the algorithm that have something special to offer. Cause there's a lot of different uh, ways that these, these controls like combine to produce something really particularly interesting. And so, mm -hmm. um, some of the, the types of, uh, ways that you can control it. If you're familiar with Fidenza, then you, 
you know that some of the main traits are things like the scale and the color palette and um you know is it turbulent or is it working with with kind of like straight uh smooth lines and so those are some of the uh we have some very similar controls in in qql things like the color and um and and some of like the the big shapes and um the size of the objects that you're working with uh and then some of the uh controls are en entirely new and um because uh QQL is like uh, a, a totally different algorithm from Fidenza. It does have some elements in common, like um, it's it's based around flow fields, but um, there there's a lot of uh, new things going on there. So we have some things like uh, uh, these direction and, and layout controls that um, really shape what kinds of a composition you're you're going to get out um, of of the algorithm. And, uh, of course, you can leave all these things up uh, to randomness if you want to, or you can take uh, pick individual uh, elements and uh, and really dial them into, um, you know, the, the specific area that you want to investigate further. This is, I mean, I'm, as you're talking, I, I, click, I mistakenly click the give me 10 of these and generate art button, and I'm just, like, mesmerized here looking at this screen. These are absolutely stunning. If Thank you're you. listening to this on audio... Go jump on the video version <laughs> of this podcast. I could, I can't even begin to do it justice by by visually describing it. But um, so what? What basically with this interface? Yeah. Every time I click something here, I am except for the number of outputs. Right. I am modifying a bit of of the algorithm. Yes. That, that is that more or less correct? That's exactly correct. Yeah. And um, you're you're kind of like loosely modifying a bit of the algorithm, right? Like if you say I want right. large shapes, we're not going to give you exactly the same large shapes all the time. There's there's some amount of randomness that we've uh, engineered into that because always having some kind of flexibility there. This these are the kind of things that help that emergence to happen is to have uh, uh, you know, just the right amount of randomness and just the right kinds mm -hmm. of randomness um, uh, mixed in with everything, and 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 uh, we definitely expect people to, to to leave a lot of the controls set to random as well. And so, you know, we have we have all those like kind of probability distributions um, super super well tuned. So uh, maybe maybe it sounds a little bit nerdy, but like the the end experience is you can control the parts that you want to, or you can you can just uh, let other parts. Um, totally go and it, it, it'll really do well on its own even if you don't if you if you put in minimal um input and mm -hmm. uh yeah like you're seeing you know if you don't lock it in then you'll, you're gonna see a, a lot of uh of variety come out of it um the other thing you mentioned you, you, you clicked on this accidentally but um uh so we have the button to render one output uh but mm -hmm. uh you know, as a, as a generative artist, uh, I would be incredibly frustrated if I could only generate, uh, one output. We wanted to, 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 to give people the real tools, right? So I, I mentioned earlier, like my process pre pre Fidenza, I would generate hundreds or a thousand outputs mm -hmm. and, and go pick my favorite. So we wanted to make it as easy as possible for people to do that same thing. So you've got the render times 10 and the render times times 100, uh, button, and it'll just queue up all that artwork for you. And, uh, you can generate, uh, you know, 200 and, and and come back like an hour later when they're ready and and look at what you got if you want to um, i'm really i'm really curious here so um let, let's I, I do want to get into each individual tool and kind of walk people through it so that they have a, a, a road map when we actually when you go to mint but um just so i understand the actual me mechanics what what is the, the drop size mm -hmm. how does someone participate and then how do they lock in the one that they love is that is that essentially how it's going to work? Like you pick one out of out of the things that you generate. 
Uh, so the drop size is 999. It's the same as Fidenza. Uh, and the way it works is first, people who want to mint a QQL will need to get a mint pass. So there are going to be 999 mint passes. Uh, 900 of them are getting auctioned on September 28th, uh, exactly, uh, well, two weeks from when we're recording, but you know, some other amount of time from when you listen to this. Uh, but the passes are getting auctioned on Archipelago on September 28th. Uh, we have a really cool mechanism for it. Uh, it's going to be a Dutch auction with rebate, so maybe we'll get into that later. Uh, but once you have a pass, you have the right to create a QQL at any point in the future. Uh, you can think of it kind of as a blank canvas onto which you are going to explore the algorithm and decide exactly what render is going to be permanently put on that canvas. Uh, they never expire, so you can hold on Ooh, to it. That was going to be my next question. That's a really cool piece. Yeah, you could wait years. You could really think on it. You know, I think that the, the QQL project is going to be continuing to produce art for probably years and decades to come. Uh, and once you have found the output that you want, that's going to be a particular seed that will get past the algorithm. And one thing that is really neat uh, is that we, we really see these passes as conferring somebody the right to be uh, a kind of co-creator and a co-artist within the QQL algorithm, uh, within the QQL project. Because uh, the, the initial collectors, the curators, they really are like kind of creating that particular piece. And so everyone uh, who mints a piece is going to be signing their Ethereum address directly into the seed uh, as the seed, the first 20 bytes of the seed are going to be the minter's Ethereum address. Uh, and that also ensures that everyone has kind of got their own unique corner of the algorithm. Uh, it's impossible to copy someone else because you, you mm. don't have their address. Fascinating. Wow. Yeah. This is cool. Yeah. This is really, really cool. So, oh gosh, so many questions. Okay. Um, if, if I come in and so no one can, can duplicate mine, even if they click the best, the same settings that I have and unlimited number of outputs, they, they just can't duplicate it because they're, they're using their bit of, 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 um, randomness with their, their wallet address. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's kind of namespaced is like kind of the a way an engineer might describe it. And then a, if when the output is done and saved to the chain or the data saved, the metadata is saved, will there be specific attributes assigned to that or no attributes whatsoever? Meaning like, will there be any sense of rarity here? So they, they all do have traits, uh, which you are selecting when you're, when you're interacting with mm -hmm. this UI, uh, and the traits are canonical. So there will be, you know, on, on like archipelago or OpenSea, you'll be able to see all of the trait data or article. Uh, but the trait rarity is going to be entirely an emergent product of collectors' uh, decisions, and so there's no there's no engineered rare trait. And in a certain sense, you know, whatever rare will be rare because it was either unpopular uh, or was like hard to make great art out of. So there's going to be a whole fascinating side yes. meta game here around rarity. Oh, for sure. Because what I'm going to do as a collector is I'm going to go in. I'm going to look at what people haven't explored yet, yeah. you know, that those areas and then start picking around. But then again, if I do something that ends up with a cool output and I do it too soon, then you have people jumping and piggybacking on potentially piggybacking on top of that to do similar things, which means that vein of outputs might be but, less rare. But if people are piggybacking on you, then that means that that first one that you minted was influential and then it's got oh, lineage. Interesting. Yeah. So I think, I think there's going to be this really interesting push pull of like, you actually want to be the first person to mint something that is so cool that other people want to imitate it because uh, you're going to be able to always see the mint number. And, you know, in a lot of projects, the mint number is a little bit arbitrary, like, you know, past the single digit mints, so you don't really care which one you have. 
Uh, but with QQLs, actually, a lower mint really does mean it's earlier in the provenance. That's and right. So if you've got multiple, like multiple certain flavor of spiral, the first one is actually the one that can be kind of said to have like influenced the others. That's a great point. And it's funny because, uh, I had a buddy that was buying, bought a chromy squiggle and it was, it was not a good one in my opinion, <laughs> aesthetically. And he's like, no, no, you don't understand. It's a day one. And I'm like, what, what day? What, what, uh, oh, like yeah. you're like you're actually putting more value in the fact that it was minted on the very first day that the the squig, squigs came out. And I was like, that's interesting. So it, that's kind of what's going on here because there's going to be this extended timeline mm-hmm. that you can mint against. There's going to be something said for those that discover the really cool trait and minted on that very first day. Like that's a double win in terms of like, you know, who knows, but like the collectors may, may Absolutely. put some value on that. Oh yeah. I never thought about that. That's so interesting. The day one QQLs. Yeah. 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 We're, we're, we're like, uh, we're so curious to see what that timeline looks like and how the artwork evolves because yeah, I mean, like you started saying, right. I think people will go in there and, uh, see what, what areas are kind of like underexplored and underappreciated and people that are able to really discover something unique, uh, there, uh, I, th- I think we'll, we'll have a much more notable piece of artwork on their hands and, um, will likely like influence, uh, other months that come after that. And so, yeah, I think, I think there'll be this like really interesting kind of like, uh, dialogue and, and, and evolution of how the artwork what kind of artwork gets minted over the you know months and years and decades that the QQL is active? Is this something where just putting on my kind of like, you know, two, three, five years from now, do you see this as like, when I look at it, you're building your own little kind of Photoshop in a way, a very, very algorithm bound version of tools that says you can go manipulate this piece of code with these tools do you see this as like a future? Cause I could see there, it wouldn't be crazy for art blocks to offer this as a product against many algorithms, right? right. Like if this catches on, is, is that something you all have ambitions to go after and potentially do now that you've gotten this far into this project uh, or too early to tell? So first of all, I definitely agree that I think, um, this, this, this mode of operating will, will be popular for generative art. Uh, this, Right now, it's very hard to do because it uh, required us to do a lot of like custom one-off, you know, design, like figuring out not only um, what kind of controls we wanted, but also what they should look like, uh, how we're going to implement them, how it's going to interact with the algorithm. There was a lot of custom work that went into this. And so it'll be hard to do something at this level, uh, you know, uh, uh, broadly speaking. But I think th- I think you're exactly right that... that, that um, uh, platforms like Artblocks will be well positioned to start to offer more tooling along these lines uh, because what mm-hmm. it offers the artist is so powerful. Like, um, Fidenza, you know, the, the Artblocks model, uh, like the way that I make Fidenza, uh, very, very powerful. There's so much you can do with that, um, but it's just a totally different game whenever you have this, this type of approach to it. And um, just for artistic reasons, there's fantastic reasons to to want to do it this way too. And so I think we'll see a lot of artists um, uh, take interest in this, and I think we'll see good uh, platform support. Um, for me personally, like uh, I'm just an artist, I don't really want to run a company or whatever. Uh, so I'm I'm like hands off after this, but uh, I'll leave it up to Dandelion what what they want to you know do after this. So uh, I definitely think that this is like I think that this is going to be one of the big pieces of what the future of generative art will look like. Uh, I think that it's so much more like, I I think that it's not only is it empowering to the artists, but it's also massively empowering to the collectors. 
Uh, I don't think that all algorithms should be like like run like this. And I think that having like more like trad long form NFT generative art, which I guess will then be a thing. Uh, uh, I think there's a lot of space for that. And I think it's it's a really brilliant thing to pull off. So I think that uh, longer term, this will be a really important part. Uh, and it, it, I'm personally really, really interested in the way that uh, it does create a new kind of artist uh, in the generative art space. And I think there's a meaningful yes. way in which somebody using a QQL Mint Pass really is like an artist co-creating the project. And the fact that now you can go from having like, you know, one or two artists per project to like two plus 999 artists per project. Mm -hmm. It's just like, that's more art. That's more intention. Like that's more, mm -hmm. it's also more value, I think, because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you like, I don't think anybody is going to mint a QQL to flip, right? Like mm -hmm. what, what are you, if you want to flip, yeah, yeah, if you want to flip, flip the mint pass. But if you mint a QQL, it should be because it's actually like a work of art that you think is, is beautiful and like personally significant. Uh, and ultimately the, the goal is people will have more art that they value. So I think that this will be around to stay. Yeah. It, so it, it's really interesting because in some sense, um, it, when I think about music creation and I don't know if you're familiar with the, the kind of design house, uh, teenage engineering and some of the, the actual boxes that they put together for creation of beats and loops. And, and they have these beautiful little instruments that are very simple but they're like these little backpack that you can throw them in your backpack and take them to go. And like big name artists are now carrying them around and just using them to compose on the go. And it's, it's like, it, it has enough dials and knobs that you can tweak it to do all different types of outputs. Right. And in some sense, that's kind of what you could build here, right? Enough dials mm -hmm. and knobs to tweak it and create a bunch of different outputs. And you could be this kind of on the go generative artist <laughs> where you're playing around with this stuff. And, and we're not that far off. I mean, think about what you all have seen with, you know, AI prompt art that mm -hmm. has been happening in the last several months, right? You can say, hey, draw me a Viking poodle on horseback. <laughs> and you're just like, holy hell, this is crazier than I'd ever imagined, right? Yeah. But it doesn't quite allow for that a little less of this, a little more of this prompts yet, right? Mm -hmm. Which is obviously the next piece of that. It's like, okay, you can do it in some ways, but it, it's not as in, intuitive as, as you would hope, but it, it'll be there soon. Do you envision a world, I kind of do, where algorithms are getting rewritten in real time based on input from whether it be prompt or tweaks that are, that are done by the oh. contributor, like by the human behind the wheel? Uh, and you're not having to code, right? And it's more the AI that's rewriting the code. Is this just too far out there thinking, or is it? Or do you put any time and effort into thinking in this direction? And that's a question just for both of y'all. I think this is all super plausible. I'm actually like, I am loving these ideas coming off you because it's like <laughs> all like, oh yeah, 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 totally. It's like what is going on inside my head. Uh, I think that on the AI side, I hadn't thought about this, but we could, you know, you can define specific models, put their like hashes, put in like an implementation, uh, implementation on chain, and then having people mint the NFT where the act of minting the NFT is actually, they do provide that just like text that is going to be oh. interpreted through the, the model. Mm. And just like the space of possibility, like doing something like that would be wild. Dang, that would be cool. Uh, it's also making me think about having generative algorithms that are kind of like evolving in time. Cause like Tyler, you know that there have been so many QQLs that I've wanted to mint already. Yeah. Like the rainbow meteor, like just there's been tons of stuff. I wish, I kind of wish we, we could be like putting the code on chain and then every week we like put a slightly new version of it. We just put the diffs and then you can actually like mint pieces along the whole like lineage of the algorithm. And like as an artist, oh, you could be like, okay, this is in preview mode only 10 minutes cause it's not done. And then, okay, here's another preview release 20 minutes because it's still not done. And then the end, 
you can like have this lineage of pieces that were made like all along the way mm. and like maybe in dialogue with the community you could have you can even do it like real time patches. as like performance work like uh yeah. oh man okay that's exciting maybe maybe i'm getting in on that for the next project yeah <laughs> uh, so crazy yeah I, I i will say like you know uh one one interesting part or one one kind of like continuum that we definitely thought a lot about was this uh like how much control and how much variety do you give the user versus like how much you you keep it uh focused and and something that was really important mm-hmm. to us here was we want to give the user powerful controls but not so much that they can like escape the uh sort of the unifying force of the artwork like we wanted that, mm. that motif and like those core elements to stay true no matter what was adjusted on the controls and so we mm. there was there's there's a delicate balance of like how do you empower yeah. the user but how do you keep them sort of like within this this world that you've really like carefully engineered yeah you're like the the bowling alley uh when the kids go and they flip up the little bumpers on the side so yeah. you like you're making sure the put ball the still on. makes it down and hit some <laughs> pins right exactly we put the bumpers on like it's easy to <laughs> it's easy to strike uh with an yeah yeah exactly yeah because in some sense i'm i'm buying this and collecting this yes i i think it's very novel and exciting and fun to to kind of control my own output a little bit more but I still want this to be a, a dandelion and a Tyler Hobbs. Like that's, that's cool, right? Like that's, that's cool that that, that is still impressed in obviously it, it doesn't escape and become a completely different algorithm Definitely. right? with with the, with enough tweaks. Yeah. And, and, and just to say too, like, uh, just because the user is like putting in input and curating does not make it easy to make this kind of algorithm. Like this is an unbelievable amount of work had to go into this thing. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a, you know, a Tyler Hobbs and, and, and dandelion piece of artwork. Uh, why don't you push generate 100 uh, so that okay. in a little while we can go and look at the 100 and you can kind of like, we can find which one was your, your favorite, you know, the one you would mint if you could today. I noticed that also you great. picked the darkest color palette there. So uh, this yeah. is like, a, this is kind of your, I love I them. I, I love that moody stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know, nice. I have a thing with, with white backgrounds that I just know eventually, well, they'll get the digital displays, right? Because they already have some of that more. Oh yeah. The color E digital displays. We'll get those things someday. Yeah. That's the dream. Yeah. That, cause I just, I don't, I don't want, uh, I, I, in my home, I don't want bright white against them like me, like in the, in the near term with the, the displays we have today, you yeah. know? So yeah. when you think about someone coming in and tweaking all the parameters here and they're kind of like curating through these outputs and finding that piece. Do you consider them a little bit of an artist in that sense? Like as part as, as kind of like your silent um, third party partner in this project? Like, how do you think of that contribution? Uh, you know, I've been, I've been thinking a lot lately. I think I, I describe myself as a wannabe philosopher. I've been thinking a lot lately about like what makes art art, uh, which the generative art space has always been on the edge of like, tearing teasing into that uh, and ai art especially and i think that in my mind or maybe in my heart like art is actually about it's about emotional resonance it's about vibes it's about inspiration like those are the heart of art uh and i think that you know i've i've seen like approximately ten thousand renders uh from this algorithm mm. and like to this day i'm still spotting renders where i'm like whoa like pause like why does this one feel like it matters? You know, what is like, there's something special about this one. And there's like, you know, there's like a particular one that like, I just rendered a couple days ago that just like has got such like a beautiful, rich feeling. 
Uh, and I think that that process of like looking through the outputs and then seeing it's actually like listening to like the feeling and like the, the vibes, like, uh, I think that that is like an artistic process and like, it's, it's a different one than the one that Tyler and I did in iterating on the algorithm. But in some ways it's also similar because there's a lot of like throw it at the wall and like try five ideas and like, okay, that one's working for some surprising reason, you know? Uh, and so I think that I really do see like the process, especially the more that someone really gets into it and is really like feeling into the algorithm. I think that they are legitimately co-creating, uh, and not just like, you know, using an engineered tool or rather they are using an engineered tool to co-create as is the nature of all art. Yeah. Well said. How do you treat the outputs here? Is this, um, where we live in a world and, and I'm partially responsible for some of the chaos around the, the CC zero <laughs> stuff and everything else. Like, how do you see this in terms of like, how do, how do royalty splits work and how does, how does your, your own, uh, you know, can these be used for commercial ventures? Like what, what's your thinking there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we definitely have, have thought a, a lot about that because we, we, we really do view the, um, the mentor as a really important part of the creation process. And so we, we really want to give them, um, they're due. And so one of the things that I think we're most excited to, to, to be able to announce here is that, um, we want to include, uh, the renter or the mentor in the, uh, secondary royalty. So, um, whoever mints the NFT will get, uh, 2%, um, uh, royalty anytime that that NFT is resold. And, um, that'll be true for, for, for all of them that are minted. And uh, that that puts the mentor right up there with with Dandelion and myself in in terms of um, the royalties. So, um, yeah, we we you know um, we felt like that was the most uh, clear and, and direct way that we could sort of uh, convey how much we believe in them uh, being being co creators. Um, and um, yeah, that's 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 you know uh, we're working out some fine fine details of other things that we can offer them, but that's um, that's really our, our our best way to to get that across. That is just, I mean, this is what I love about, uh, that the work that, that you all do in, in Tyler, like obviously with your space in this, in this world now, you could just do a drop and, and make a shit ton of money, like just easily, yeah. but you're continuing to push things in a completely new direction. That is novel. That's unique. That is, um, you know, I think that's what makes you so, so special is that, that, that brain that then in this, this collaboration seems like a fantastic one. It seems like you two getting together, uh, is led to just, again, oh, something yeah. mind blowing, especially in a time where, when I look at the NFT space and people are kind of burnt out on the, on the same old same, mm -hmm. like somebody said to me the other day, um, about a generative project. And it was one that uh, obviously I don't want to name, but they were just like, Oh, another one that looks like more like paper or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, just like saying like, there's a lot of people that are doing like that are taking, and this isn't wrong. Cause people get inspiration from all different places, but it's kind of like, if you start, if, if people just start cloning each other over and over, over again, by the 10th or 15th time, mm -hmm. it's like, it, it can seem less fresh. Right. And it's just like, Oh, that's, that's more, I've kind of seen this done this way this is a, again, like a, a new way to consider the entire space. And it could change creation tools in this entire space, which is just so exciting. You have to be excited about that. Yeah, I hope so. I've, I mean, I'm, I'm incredibly excited. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't work on it if I wasn't incredibly excited yeah. about it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's my biggest project of, of, of the year. And, and like you said, you know, uh, it would have been a lot safer to go do Fidenza 2.0 or whatever. Um, right. And this is, this is, this is a massive risk. Like, uh, I'm not going to lie. Like this is, uh, there's so, so many like new elements to this that, um, you know, who, who knows how people are going to take it, how they're going to use it. Right. But, um, 
that's to me like that's um uh that's one of the big uh benefits to being an artist is that you get to explore as much fresh territory as you want to and and man the the web3 space is so ripe for it that like it just feels uh like a waste if 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 you don't go out looking for all those things and uh so yeah we're, I, I think we're really lucky that we've got um kind of this like really fertile ground to to explore right now and um yeah uh why not just like go for it so uh, so we're going for it yeah. and dandelion's been fantastic uh we've had uh a, a really fun time like i think we just uh we both kind of are kind of like i'm gonna say silly philosophers and uh we don't we don't take it too seriously but we're really interested in just like kind of thought experiments and, and, and playing around mm -hmm. with some of these ideas so that's kind of the energy that, that went into qql i i think those are going to be the most successful uh people in this space is like it's when I, I see a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of new artists, a lot of different platforms and tooling that's being built in the space. I'm talking to these folks all the time. And, you know, there's sadly, and this is when you get to see in the crypto space, like some of the maxis that started early on with like saying like, oh, it's Bitcoin or nothing. It's like, no, we didn't get this far and, and, and innovate just to be locked into one thing. Like if anything, we should be continuing to innovate and try new things. And like, that's the beauty of, 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 being alive <laughs> like just like why not right like what are you gonna do like are you on your deathbed you're not gonna wish you tried less crazy ideas right. like that's that's part of the fun here so i love that you all are doing this um can we walk through the 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 tools can you guys take me through um can you all take me through the each of these individual pieces here or actually how can i view the 100 now that i've generated so them? if you scroll down Okay, there we uh, go. Then you'll find. So what I suggest we do actually is find the piece you like the most, and then we can start talking about what made that okay, great. piece the piece that it is. The reason why I'm initially drawn to this is it almost looks like it was interrupted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. During yeah. creation. It very and, much does. And there's like this this like half side of it that is just pure, and then the other side is just so dense but it's not perfect, right? So you're seeing a lot of uh, slight color deviation between the, the small little circles. Some of them almost look as though they kind of like fizzled out or they're, they're, it's, it's almost like, like a, 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 something that's worn and, and had a few things spilled on yeah. it or something. You know, it's like, and, and I just, I, I don't know. I just, there's something about that that I, I, I love how clean and just, you know, algorithm stops on the left yeah. and on the right, it's got this like, you know, worn kind of cool i mean I you're, it's, you're, it's, you're speaking my language right now like th these are exactly the things that i you know that both of us love about this um I, I think we're always looking for this cool intersection of of like the structure and the disorder right and like things that, that seem to like have this structure but then get broken in like a weird unexpected way mm -hmm. like that's a really common thing that we we seem to enjoy um and and like you said like um the way that the imperfections like stack up with this particular algorithm, it just triggers all sorts of, of, of kind of like weird things. Like uh, it's trying to like kind of squeeze in all these little circles side by side. And, and, and by nature of the way that it tries to squeeze them in, if there's like one little disruption, it can kind of trigger this, like um, this, this artifact uh, that, that kind of like spreads out from there. And uh, actually th that's reminding me of like uh, another one of my works that, that, that you collected as well has, has like a very similar nature to that. Um, uh, yeah. I just love those like algorithms where those, those little like things that go wrong have this kind of butterfly mm -hmm. effect. Um, and um, 
yeah i mean this um we can we can talk about like what the controls that kind of like made this one happen so uh yeah can i draw attention to another yeah sure first? uh kevin if you right click on it mm-hmm. uh, and click open image new tab we really need to build into the this page before we launch the like high-res view but this is kind of the trick for now uh, and if you then go to that tab uh, it'll be a little easier to zoom in on it so something you'll see here so something that i'm extraordinarily proud of in qql is the way that the textures hold up on fine detail uh, and so this right now, what you're looking at is like a lower resolution of render. So once we, once you were to render this in high res, it would look like a lot crisper. Uh, but one of the things that's really unusual about this one is that it is actually this, this particular color texture is at the intersection of a lot of low probability pieces of our, our system. Uh, cause on the one hand, it's got the zebra, uh, coloring on the rings. So each of these rings, actually the outer ring is yellow and the inner ring is red. Uh, and that's like kind of creating a unique feel for it. Uh, and it's in a corner of the algorithm where you're getting two ring ring dots because uh, it's trying to draw three and there's not enough space. So you wind up with just two and that creates the like particular color balance here. Uh, and so I, I just like, I love that like a piece like this, there can be so many different dimensions of uniqueness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a case where like finding another piece that feels like this. Like, I hope you don't have your heart set on minting this one because you're just like, you'll never find it again. Uh, it's just the one of, uh, you know, like every, every, there are so many mints that wind up being in their subtleties, like once in a lifetime mints. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you'll have to choose between thousands of them. Yeah. What's happening here on these, these, there's a few of these that I'm kind of like moving my mouse around where they, they seem to have bled over the red has, has gone to the outside ring. It's, What's going it's on probably, there? Probably I'm, I don't have the high res version open myself, but from what I can see on your screen, uh, this is something called splatter. So this is, um, we, we, we sort of like, uh, randomly uh pick a set of uh of, of these like ring dots to to use a different color on in sort of a kind of a splattery fashion right and and it's really just to in, a way to introduce these like unexpected uh shifts in the color uh and um uh just to really kind of add into that that factor of emergence like the, it's, it's really interesting how sometimes something as simple as like this like splatter that just like randomly changes the color of a few things will have a, a really uh, key impact on, on why a particular piece of artwork works. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's just one of the, and that one actually doesn't have any control by the user at all. So, uh, it doesn't show up in the traits. It's just, uh, just part of the code. And there's, there's, there's a number of fun things like that. That's so cool. Um, awesome. Would you all mind walking me through some of these controls here? So when people do actually go to, to do this, they'll get the, uh, the explanation directly from, from you all. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we can, we can definitely walk you through that. So first off we've got the color palettes, right? These are, it's kind of like a sequence of colors. So the, the order of the color actually matters. Um, uh, colors that are next to each other tend to show up more often, but other than that, I think color palettes, like uh, fairly, fairly explanatory. And each colored palette has like a number of, of different background colors that can happen. Um, you can, you can leave it to random to, to, to pick one randomly. Uh, and random is picking from these defined palettes, not exactly. other colors that aren't here. Yeah. Okay. We would never pick gotcha. random colors. Like that's just like, that's a no, no, I don't, I don't like that. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're using colored palettes. And, um, uh, so you, you've, you've picked out the Fidenza one here. This borrows the Lux, uh, palette from, from Fidenza, uh, one that was, uh, particularly notable. And, um, uh, we keep going down and, uh, so color, what's this color mode? Yeah. yeah. So, so color mode, uh, Dandelion was kind of 
explaining this on that last piece. This is for the individual ring dot. This is whether it's just got one color or whether it, it takes an approach to mix uh, colors. And so it, it can either do that by kind of like stacking two uh, of these uh, rings on top of each other with different colors, which gives you like a really nice subtle effect, or it can kind of like alternate and interleave different colors in between them. But this is just kind of a way to, uh, to really add like a level of richness uh, to the color where it's not, like your eye kind of mixes the colors when you perceive them. Um, and so it really just adds a lot to the, the perceived richness of the color that comes out of there. Uh, and then, and then right below that's color variety. So this is like, you know, do you want a monochrome piece or do you want one that's like totally juiced on the number of colors, uh, that are squeezed mm. in there. And, uh, this, this is part of, uh, I think this is pretty effective for like kind of that emotional range, sometimes like a monochrome, uh, piece or, uh, you know, something like that. Uh, We'll have a certain air of you know i don't know solemnity or just like uh calm or or things like that and if you want something really vibrant you know yeah there you go uh you, you can pack all sorts of color in there um so th those are the color controls uh next we kind of move more into um dealing with with uh the flow field uh so this is um this is kind of the direction that lines and curves uh, tend to move. Um, the, the controls you're looking at there, uh, these ones on the top row are the linear ones. So these kind of uh, push uh, the lines in like uh, kind of a straight uh, direction one way or another with some curvature added. Uh, the bottom row deals more with a kind of a spirally layout and um, it kind of goes all the way from like this uh, really minimal spiral to basically a full circle. And, um, uh, a lot of things in, in between and, and, and what's super cool is, um, these, uh, directions, um, what you pick the way that it intersects with some of the other features, uh, you just get really, uh, really, uh, interesting, different, uh, results based on how they're laid out. Um, so this is, I'd say this is one of like the bigger knobs that you can, you can change. Um, if you keep, uh, moving down, we get to the layout. So, uh, layout is what governs kind of the structure of different uh, different like bands and uh, regions and clumps of these rings. So um, you'll notice uh, like here you've got kind of a string of red uh, that's lined up, right? Or or there you've got um, kind of a band of, of of orange that's going across there uh, with the mm -hmm. with the checkerboard layout. This is what's kind of like uh, giving large scale compositional structure. Um, and, um, so the three kind of, uh, organize it in terms of like, uh, uh, rings that are kind of expanding outward or, and kind of these, uh, linear rectangular, uh, uh, bunches. And the final third one kind of organizes them into circular regions. And so each of those will give you a very different style of, 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 of composition. And, um, uh, again, another, another like pretty big knob in terms of how you can control the type of artwork. Um, turbulence is, uh, for people that are familiar with Fidenza, this kind of controls, you know, are we looking at straight lines or are we looking at, at super wavy curvy lines? Um, turbulence is the knob that sort of controls that, um, margin below that very simple. Uh, it's just, uh, are we saving any space at the edge of the, of the, uh, of the artwork and, um, we can have no margin. So shapes can go off the screen. We can have the crisp margin, which kind of packs everything in so that it can just touch the edge of the artwork, but no further. Mm. And uh, and then we can have a thick margin that kind of just gives it a, a little like nice uh, breathing room. Um, but that's a pretty straightforward uh, uh, toggle there. Uh, 
moving over to the right side, uh, there we have some controls that are more around the uh, size of the rings uh, that we're looking at and how densely they're packed. So um, yeah, top line just kind of controls. Uh, we're dealing with small, medium, large, just like it says on the tin. Uh, and then you can kind of control how much variety there is within that, right? Like, uh, and, and, and uh, do you want them all to be exactly the same size or is it okay if, if, if we get some really small ones and some really large ones? And what's interesting is uh, the types of arrangements that you'll get when you have no variability versus high variability. It actually has like a, a really interesting effect of like how these things get packed together. Uh, when you allow them to get uh, kind of packed in a particular way, yeah, that, that one's super cool. I like that. Yeah, this one's wild. Um, yeah. Yeah, so so things like the variability of the size actually have a much bigger impact than than I think you might expect on what types of, of, of uh, arrangements are, are possible. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, that one's, I've never seen anything like that. Uh, so that one's pretty wild. Um, and, um, and then spacing. Yeah, this is just like how much breathing room is, is left around um, these individual shapes. You know, are they allowed to be uh, packed back to back or are you going to give them a little more like uh, breathing room? Um, so that one's a, that one's a pretty, uh, straightforward, uh, control. And then the final section down in the bottom, right? Um, this one is, uh, not, uh, not, not super heavy. This deals with the individual, uh, ring dots and basically how many rings are they going to use and how much of them do we fill up? Um, so, you know, there can be one, three or seven. And, uh, if you set it to, you know, the heavy setting down there at the bottom, then that'll kind of like. Uh, fill up uh, much more of, of, of the rings and it'll kind of give you like a much uh, bolder composition. But if you set it to light, then it's uh, it's just kind of giving you some some skinnier rings and it'll give you more of a lightweight composition. And, and those things, um, uh, sometimes it, it depends on like what type of colors and what type of scale you're, you're, you're looking at. It can make more sense to, to really give it some punch with like the heavy uh, thickness uh, or to, 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 to give it a little more breathing room with the light um, setting. So yeah, that's, that's all the controls and, and, and there's, wow, there's even more that happens inside the algorithm that there's no control over. Um, but that, that tend to produce just like some of our favorite artifacts as well. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, takes, takes a little bit to, to, to explore it all, but, um, yeah, this is just a ton of fun. Yeah. You could sit here for hours as I'm sure you, you all do. Yes. Sometimes we find ourselves just like trapped like just keep generating like we we just like stop working and we just keep generating them to look at them so um yeah is there any way to create something that is grayscale you know <laughs> we've been discussing this we've been discussing it uh dandelion was in favor of it i kind of nixed it so right now the answer is no right now the answer is no yeah. but you kevin do you think we need grayscale Ooh, that's tough. I, I kind of think you do. Like, so like, Kevin, let me, let me tell you the thing that I proposed and the reason we decided not to do it and we'll get, we'll get your opinion. Okay. You know, it's, okay. it's, it kind of comes down a little bit to, can we trust, can we trust people? Yeah. So what I wanted to do was make it, did you ever play Pokemon? Uh, like the Game Boy games? Uh, briefly, but I, I, I know of them. Yes. So there was this super low probability event. Anytime you run into a Pokemon that it may be a shiny Pokemon. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was like one in 4,000, you know, you can play the whole mm -hmm. game of Pokemon multiple times and never find a shiny. Uh, and I thought it would be cool if the grayscale QQLs are like shiny Pokemon, just like even like finding one in your queue, it's just like a little bit wild. 
uh, by just making it a super low probability, uncontrollable event. Because uh, we think if it's the whole palette, there's like too many grayscales, like we want to like, let's, let's play with colors. Uh, and the concern is that if we have these super rare grayscales, people yeah. are going to want to mint them regardless of going to be insane. Good. Right. Um, yeah, I, I would say the only thing about the grayscale uh, is when I saw this random show a grayscale, I thought there was a possibility of a grayscale, so okay. I got my hopes okay. up. You can get you can get something close. You can get something that's close to a grayscale, but there's no pure grayscale in there for you. Yeah, maybe we should just put in grayscale. Uh, well, let's, let's, I don't know. There, there's still there's still last minute room. We'll talk about it. <laughs> we'll call it Kevin mode. Who has the final GitHub uh, <laughs> That's amazing. Awesome. Well, um, can, can we touch on the the refund on the reversed uh, or the Dutch auction that you all plan to do? How's that yeah. going to? Yeah, I think this is something that uh, that proof listeners will be very interested in. So the Dutch auction is going to happen uh, in sort of on, on Wednesday, September 28th. Uh, we haven't announced the exact time, but it'll probably be like the classic time that all of the generative art mints are happening. So it mm-hmm. won't be surprising to anyone. Uh, the way it works is so to, to start, of course, with a Dutch auction, you have a descending price and you're kind of buying in as the price goes down. Uh, Meridian being a good example where, you know, I think you and I, maybe all three of us participated in that Dutch auction. Uh, the issue with Dutch auctions is you tend to have this incentive to like wait, try to wait until the very end, you know, try to like hold mm-hmm. the line. Then the gas war. Yeah. And then you have a gas war and then you've got all this like flipping. And then it's like, it's weird that if you are really sure you want one, you kind of are signing up to be a sucker by like overpaying. Uh, and so that just didn't really seem like the right incentive or the right dynamic. Uh, so what we're doing instead is we're doing a Dutch auction where the price is going to descend by by a fixed amount every minute. Uh, or like varies a little bit over the course of the auction, but it goes from 50 Ether down to 2 Ether. And at any point along that price trajectory, you can buy a pass at the current price and you pay the current price to the contract, but you're going to get a refund at any point in the future if the price descends. You can just like claim a refund. And so that means that on the one hand, you could sort of say, okay, I know that I want one. I've got 50 ETH liquidity. I'm going to put in my bid right at the start, get my pass for sure. And then at the end of the auction, claim my rebate. And, you know, let's say, you know, whatever it mints out on, you can get that difference refunded. Uh, But you can also use anything that you've overpaid for prior passes to get more passes along the way. Uh, So if you bought a pass at 50 Ether and then it goes down to 30 and you're like, oh, you know, at 30, I would really take a second pass. You already have a 20 Ether rebate at that point. Mm. So if you just put in 10 more Ether, then you can get that second pass. Uh, you know, or wait till 25 and then get two for two for one uh, on your original purchase. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it's going to be a really like fair uh, mechanism. And it also for people who have liquidity, it kind of makes a very easy way to like anticipate uh, how you, you know, kind of what you want your strategy to be. Uh, I personally, it's a little bit ironic that I'm planning to like participate in this Dutch auction, but you know, I've got my artist hat and I've also got my collector hat and I'm like, Oh, as a collector, I really like this project. I would like to collect more. Thank you. Uh, so I, I know that I'm going to be just like playing along with the like bid 50 and then re up depending on what happens next kind of strategy. Yeah. That that's awesome. Um, that's a, I, I haven't, have you seen any other project do this, this refund, uh, off the Dutch auction? It's, it's a, it's a great mod. It's great. I think that Bright Moments has announced that they're also doing a uh, a DA with rebate for the uh, the the CDMX uh, mint tokens. 
Mm. So I think I think this is spreading because it, it just makes so much sense. You know why? Yeah. Why not have a fair price for everyone if it's just a matter of writing a different contract? Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, great. Well, this is uh, I've learned so much here. This is going to be so much fun to participate in. Um, can't can't wait to. I, I know I'm just going to be going through thousands of these to try and find my, my perfect one. I, I guess one last question there. One thing that would be cool that would be fun to see, maybe it's, I'm sure it's probably too later. Maybe you don't want to do it is, is showing who that third party is maybe in their Ian, like as an attribute mm-hmm. in the, as an ENS record or something like that. Like in my mind, if someone, um, you know, that I respect in the space had, been the person to actually, you know, be that third party. If it goes up for sale later to see their ENS name somewhere as an attribute could be really powerful. Like, you know, if a, a Cosimo or someone that's a well-known sure. collector, it's like, is there, is there a way to, to see who that is when, when you buy something after it's already been minted? I mean, we're, yeah, yeah we're definitely going to do whatever we can to make that, that information up, up front and center, because we totally agree with you that that's, that's an important part of it. And it's kind of, kind of like the signature, right? Um, yeah. Uh, of course you, you can always look at, at the seed that'll contain the address. You can look at, you know, the address of the NFT that, 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 that uh, they first owned it. But, um, yeah, we, we, we definitely want to give good credit to, to the mentor for exactly that reason. So we're going to, we're going to do whatever we can to, to, to make that visible. Do you think you could put it as an attribute in the metadata or would that be, so be it's, something? It's already, it's already there in the metadata because the address is in the seed. Uh, so there's like, it's, it's actually inalienable. Uh, so long as you have the NFT, you always know which person it was that created it. Right. Uh, but could you then, expose that on OpenSea as, is as, as something as oh, an attribute? Oh, I see. Actually make it like, make the ENS. You know, I think that that actually having, having that, I mean, definitely, uh, definitely Archipelago will display it in like a first class fashion, but I think on OpenSea, mm-hmm. given that OpenSea metadata is actually freely editable, I think if we wanted to do ENS lookups and put that in the metadata, uh, just have like an author and then it's like, you know, uh, whomever.eth. I think that, that's actually, that could be really that's cool. actually a good idea. Yeah. 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 And that's something we can do post launch. So it's not even, it's not, not to stress over right. it. I think that makes a lot of sense. Very cool. Well, Dandelion and Tyler, thank you so much for coming on the show and, and chatting about this project. Uh, not surprising that you all are coming up with something so unique and awesome. Um, and I, I'm, I'm really stoked to participate in this one. I'm, I'm going to be there uh, on, on launch day and be putting my bid in. So can't well, thank wait. You. Yeah, we're, we're, we're super excited to, to have you participate. I, actually, I really want to see uh, what you meant. Um, I'm curious how long you're going to take, but, uh, I think everybody else is going to want to see like what day one, yeah. oh, day, you're going to go for a day one, man. You're going to go hundred percent. Got to do oh, day man. one. You okay. have to have conviction and just go. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, okay. I like that That'll spirit. I like that spirit. I mean, we'll see like the secret that I wouldn't, well, I mean, this will be is somebody going to scoop too, you now. I, if I, you, uh, no, yeah. I would, I would like to get two and then to save one for later oh, and I can yeah. <laughs> do it in like two, five years from now or whatever. Yeah. But I, I would certainly want to have one that says day one. I guess it all depends on what they, they meant out of it. But, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, having a day one, I think would be a special thing to say. I was, I was on there. I was there that day. Yeah. You know, I, I just, yeah. I, I made it happen. Kevin, especially, especially given this podcast, like the provenance of like, you know, now, now this, this piece you're going to mint is already like part of the story, even though we haven't seen it yet. So yeah, yeah you've got to do yeah. it. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for having us on. It was a blast uh, talking about this and, um, you know, we'll talk again soon. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much. And I also want to just like, since we've talked about how this is uh, really a big technical lift, I want to give a shout out to the Archipelago team 
uh, in William and Ian, who also just like behind the scenes have done so much of the the like new technical stuff that makes this possible. Absolutely, they've been great. Fantastic. And, and, and Dandelion, one more thing. Um, you know, I, obviously Tyler is a household name on this podcast, but would love to uh, talk about, do you have a Twitter account that people can follow? Oh, I do. Yeah. Dandelion underscore Wist, W-I-S-T for Wist. Think like wistfulness. Fantastic. Uh, that's my Twitter. Great. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. All right, that is it for this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you would like to help us out, head on over to proof.xyz and click on the reviews button at the very top and leave us a five-star review. Thanks so much. Take care.